Good stuff. Grab your Bibles. Those of you who have uh, <clears throat> went away for a little while here, we're glad to have you back with us online. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2 in that area. I want to continue a series that I think is going to be more than a series, but it's this idea. The book of Acts, Jesus-centered, spirit-filled. What does that look like? What does that look like to be Jesus-centered and spirit-filled? <clears throat> there was a dear saint that loved to pray. <laughs> and the problem, the challenge came into, in, into uh, um, being because um, her, her neighbor didn't much care for this saint's praying. He was an atheist. But every day, this, this dear saint, she'd pray out loud. And she'd just, and God, I thank you today. And Lord, I pray for this. And so finally, the, the atheist neighbor had it. So the atheist neighbor goes up to the, can I just ask you, why are you always praying? Why, why are you always talking to God? Don't you know there is no God? But she stood undeterred. So she kept on praying. And one day she ran out of groceries. And so that day in her prayers, and Lord, you know that I'm out of groceries. And I'm praying, asking you, God, to bring, a, bring some groceries somehow, some way. She's believing in faith. And she began to thank you, God, you're going to bring groceries. So the atheist thought, ah, I've got her on this one. So he goes to the grocery store. He gets all these bags of groceries and puts them on her front porch, knocks on the door, and hides in the bushes. And the lady opens the door, sees all the groceries, and instantly, thank you, God, for bringing these groceries. Thank you, God. You're so powerful. I can't believe. And the, the atheist jumps out of the bushes and says, ha-ha, I've got you on this one. God didn't bring those groceries to you. I'm the one that went out and bought those groceries. God had nothing to do with it. And the lady started praying again. Thank you, God, that you brought me groceries. I just had no idea you'd use the devil to do it. <laughs> do you believe in prayer? That's, that's really what I want to talk to you about today. It's prayer. Prayer. And not just any old prayer. When we study the book of Acts... Um, we, we can't help but to stumble across many places where they prayed. If we want to be a Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church, then we must, we must, prayer must be not just something we do as a church, but it must be the culture of this church. We pray and we keep praying, right? We pray and we never stop. Why? Because we can't do it, whatever it is, on our own. We need his strength. We need his power. We need it, just like we talked about last week. So here's the question, here's the question. Did they ever pray in the book of Acts? Did, did they ever take time to pray? Well, let me just toss this out to you. In Acts chapter one, they were praying about new leadership because there was one amongst them named Judas that, well, it didn't end so well for him. So they need to replace him. And they were praying. And, and so we see that in, in verse 14. A little bit later, they're, they're asking for direction. Uh, excuse me. They were constantly in prayer following the Lord's command to wait in Jerusalem in verse 14. And then they're praying for leadership in Acts chapter 124. In Acts chapter 2, we know this is on the day of Pentecost, they were praying. But we know part of our, our whole vision is Acts 2.42, right? They devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to 
prayer when they healed the lame man. In Acts chapter 4, prayer of praise that Peter and John had been released were given up. In Acts chapter 6, um, the release of the ministry of food and taking care of the widows was given up. Why? So those that were apostles and, uh, and teachers, they could study the word more and pray more. In Acts chapter 6 also, they prayed over the new deacons. In Acts chapter 8, they prayed that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. They also, it also records Simon Peter encouraged a, 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 to pray a prayer of repentance. Everyone. In Acts chapter 9, Peter prayed for the healing of Tabitha Dorcas, who was dead, and she came back to life. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, who prayed regularly, it says, and then Peter went up on the rooftop to pray at noon. In Acts chapter 11, Peter explains to the circumcised brothers in Jerusalem how he was in Joppa praying when he had that vision. In Acts chapter 12, many had gathered and were praying for the release of Peter. In Acts chapter 13, I wonder, did they ever pray? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Acts chapter 13. After prayer and fasting, they laid hands on Barnabas and Saul. In Acts chapter 14, Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted as they appointed elders. In Acts chapter 16, while looking for a place to pray on the Sabbath, uh, they led Lydia to Jesus. In Acts chapter 16, they were on their way to the place of prayer when they met a demonized girl and set her free. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were arrested. And what did they do in the prison cell? They prayed and they worshiped God. In Acts chapter 20, Paul knelt down and prayed with the people as he says farewell to the Ephesian elders. In Acts chapter 21, Paul knelt and prayed on the beach with the disciples of Tyre who urged him to the Holy Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 22, Paul shared his testimony about he was praying several years earlier and this is what happened. In Acts chapter 27, they prayed for daylight so that they could see and be saved and protected. In Acts chapter 28, Paul Paul prayed to Publius's, uh, for Publius's father, who was the chief official of Malta, and he was healed. So, whew, did they ever pray in the book of Acts? Yes. In fact, they not only prayed, but it looks like they prayed all the time. Why? Well, I'd like to say this. It's because they leak. They had a leaking issue. You see, last week we talked about how before Jesus ever sent them out, what did he say? He said, wait here for the promise of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to fill you with power. Because what I got for you, I need you to stand up in the face of persecution, right? You remember last week's message? I need you to be able to stand up in person. I need you to stand in faith for the supernatural and the miraculous. We, we've got it. We've got it. You've got to have something beyond yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. But that power of the Holy Spirit wasn't just a one-time event. It was a regular event. And the problem is we leak. So how can we stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives? How can we stir up the power of God in our lives? Ah, how did they do it in the New Testament? In fact, you can go in the Gospels. How did Jesus do it? Jesus was always pulling away for times of prayer. Where'd that Jesus go? Oh, I think he's praying over there again. Jesus, teach us to preach. Is that what the disciples said? No. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus knew the power of prayer. He understood talking to the Father, the importance of that. The book of Acts, you see it continued right on. Why would it be any different for us, right? I want to talk about prayer, but I want to talk about specifically in one area. There's so many things we could say, but I want you to see this. I want to talk about persistent prayer. What happens 
when we persistently pray. Can you grab the notes that are in the chair in front of you? Grab those notes, grab a pen, and I want to encourage you to keep those in front of you through the rest of the service because at the very end of our service, I'm going to have you write a couple things down at the bottom of the notes, and I want to encourage you to grab those and follow along, fill in the blanks as we go. Let me tell you what I, I believe God's vision is for your life, is that you pray and you keep praying. You don't stop. They, they not only prayed in the, in the New Testament, they prayed persistently. I'm sharing this as someone who hasn't got it all together. I, I'm not somebody who, who you would say has is, is completely figured this out. But I can tell you, I'm someone who's, who, who's absolutely committed. And I believe as a church, we must be absolutely committed, not, just, not to the power of prayer, but the power of our God. And as we pray, we connect with God and God begins to move. How, how, let me ask you a question. This is what happens when you're persistent in prayer. What happens when we're persistent in prayer? The first blank, fill this in. You can rest in the answer from God. You can rest in the, in the answer from God. Just think about that. When we bring our requests to God, the goal is then we can just say, okay, God, you got it. I don't. I can't handle this. I, I turn it over to you, Lord, and I rest in you. I was reading, uh, one of the books I was reading over the summer um, brought out this list of answers that God gives and I thought it was interesting. I've answered this. I, I've, I've used something like this before, but let me just share with you what, what they said. I thought it was good. I think it's in your notes. Uh, um, so here it is. How God answers prayer. How does God answer prayer? Look at this. Number one, he says, yes. Yes, I never thought you'd ask. You're praying for something, asking. And he says, yes, and here you go. Kind of the whole, you have not because you ask not thing. Okay, the second one is this. Look at this. Yes, but not yet. Yes, but not yet. The timing is not right. God's timing is involved in all of this. I'm going to say yes, but it's just not the right time right now. Number three, yes. And here's more. Ooh, I, I like that one. <clears throat> Have you ever experienced that though, where you prayed for something? Pray, and then he does exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine. I've had those experiences where you pray for this and then all of a sudden it's like, you got all, the, oh, how about this one? Yes, but differently than you thought. You're, you got it all figured out for God. <laughs> oh God, I can see exactly how you can do this. I'm gonna pray like this and then God says, well, we're gonna get the same answer, but I'm gonna do it kind of this way and it's gonna be better. I think I was thinking even this morning as I was going over my notes in, in, uh, in my office, uh, you'd think if you had six acres right here that was pretty much landlocked and, and there's Heritage Drive that goes along up to the school over here. It's just, when, when we were looking at purchasing this land over 20 years ago, it's like Heritage Drive's right there. They didn't even have a fence there. So it's like, I mean, we could just, can't we just, I mean, you know, the whole idea, the school is really, you know, it's, 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 it's the government in a sense. And so who owns the government? We are the people. And, you know, the, we can use Heritage Drive, can't we? And so I remember we, if we could just tap into Heritage Drive, then we could have a way to get people onto this land. There was a 30-foot easement that goes out the south 
south, but it's just an easement. And we weren't sure what in the world we could do with an easement. So it was like, we got to get Heritage Drive. If this six acres is going to work. And so we prayed. As a church, there's a lot less of us back then, but we prayed, oh God, give us favor, give us favor. I remember the school board meeting, I'm sitting in the, in the thing, and, and it, was a, it was kind of a, a pretty strong, nope. <laughs> I mean, I, nothing against attorneys or, or lawyers, or anybody, but as soon as the attorney, liability, the whole thing, what if there's an accident? The school could be liable, and then we have the blah, 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 and it's like, oh, liability, oh. And, and so instantly, it's like, okay, well, I think this six acres is not for us. But then, the, the Holy And so we're just praying, praying, praying. And it really was our realtor who's no longer with us. His name was Stan Miller. He's with Jesus now. But Stan was thinking, talking. He's like, well, but yeah, but Scott, you got 30 feet of an easement out to US 20. And what if you just bought another 30 foot strip of land that give you 60 feet in order to have access to US 20 you need 100 feet and, and maybe they'd give you a variance that 60 feet would be good enough and then you could put a driveway on that and uh, so long story short I don't know if you remembered the driveway you drove in on but that's how it all came about it's that's probably more the, of the story than what you need to know about driveways driveways are very spiritual but this is what I want you to get. We were praying, 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 because what? what? What was the need? We need access to the six acres. And we were convinced the best thing was right off of Heritage. But how many are glad now, if you know uh, Heritage Drive, um, we can now, it's tough sometimes, but we could turn left or right out of our driveway. If we would have tapped into spring, uh, to, to Heritage Drive, there'd be no left turns. It would be a pain in the neck. And I'm so glad we didn't do that. Why? God knew better. This is what I'm saying. When you're praying, there's times when God's going to say, yes, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it a little differently. And trust me, because it's going to be better. And then the fifth one is this, and this is one none of us like, where God says, no, no, but I need you to trust me in this season. I need you to trust me in this season. And this is the most difficult one. And can I t just remind you, you're in good shape. You, you, you're in good company when you're there because the Apostle Paul had this same issue, right? Do you remember that? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he, it's recorded three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. What was it? We don't know. And we're not gonna dive too deep in this, but there was something that was a regular issue and he, he prayed, he interceded, at least three times he went through seasons where I'm just pressing in. Okay, I'm gonna press in again. I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna just do everything I can. Oh God, heal me. And this was the word that kept coming back. But he said to me, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient. And when we get a no from God, then what do we pray? We say, Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. To, um, to receive that. Give me grace in this to trust you that you know better than I do. Let's get back to the idea of persistent prayer. When there is persistent prayer, you can rest in the answer from God because you're constantly just laying it. God, I just lay it out there before you. God, I know I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you again. May not be the third time. I don't know, but Paul did it three times, but I'm, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna keep praying and trusting I want to make sure you recognize something here. God did not create prayer to put a burden on you, but to take a burden off of you. 
And you can rest in that fact that he is on it. He's on it. You pray it. You present your petition to God. You can rest in the fact that he's on it. What was God's answer to the persistent prayer of the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter one and and chapter two. What was the answer here? (laughs) 10 days of prayer. Have you ever been to a 10 day prayer meeting? (laughs) I haven't. I mean, it's hard enough sometimes to pray for, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, even an hour. It's hard enough to do that. But for 10 days, what are we praying for? I don't know. We're just praying for the promise of the Father. What exactly does that mean? I don't know, but Jesus said, don't go anywhere until we receive whatever is, uh, well, when do you think it's gonna come? I don't know. We're just gonna keep praying. Can you imagine all the questions? Because there's one of those people in every group. (laughs) Someone's gotta figure this out. Someone's gotta, let's just trust God here. Let's just, let's pray and let's be, can you imagine if they would have given up after nine days or nine and a half days? No, they kept praying, they kept pursuing, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. This is what we used to call praying through. Praying through. Have you prayed through on that would be a question we'd be asked. Let me just tell you something. A Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church is a praying through church. It's a church that prays and keeps on praying. It's It's a church that pushes. Pray until something happens. Or the Lord changes your heart. And that happens sometimes as well. I'm not trying to pick on any of us, but can we, can we be honest with one another? We, we don't want to pray through. Most of us, we don't want to. You know, it's, it's the J.G. Wentworth prayer, right? 877-CASH-NOW. <laughs> it's my money and I want it now. It's my money and I want it now. Have you ever seen those commercials? I don't even know if they're on anymore, but J.G. Wentworth... 877 cash now. It's my money. It's my answer to prayer and I want it now. We don't want to pray and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. We want the answer right now. And I I want you to hear me. There may be times when God will do that. You'll pray. Boom. He can do it. But my experience, more importantly, the word of God says there are times when God, God says, it's coming, keep pressing, keep praying, keep believing. Do you know Jacob wrestled with, with God in the Old Testament? You know, when, when, you, when you look at um, the Gospels, do you remember in Luke chapter 18, the, the parable of the widow, the persistent widow? He's, she's like, grant me justice against my adversary. You can read it later in Luke chapter 18, over and over and over and over again. And in and, and Luke chapter 18, verse one, let me just read, read a synopsis. Jesus said, um, he's gonna share this parable about the persistent widow, the idea of the widow constantly, constantly, persistently, persistently coming back to, so, to teach his people how to always pray and not give up. Always pray and not give up. You read it, Acts chapter 18, verse one. That's why he shared that parable. There are times when God's gonna say, oh, I could do it like that. But I'm building something inside of you. I'm working some things out. There's a timetable here and I'm teaching you to be faithful. The fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. You keep praying. You keep trusting. 
and the answer's coming, but just hold on, hold on. Trust me in this. We gotta learn to pray and keep praying. You'll receive an answer from God every time. May not be the answer you wanted, but I believe God always answers. Jumping off of this one then, let's go to the second one. Ready for this? Fill this in your notes. Um, when you have persistent prayer in your life, you learn to turn your worry into prayers. Ooh, think about that one. You turn your worry into prayers. The next time you get worried, anxious, if, when you're persistently praying, oh, I can't do this, I can't. Someone, someone said this about worry. worry. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. It's true. In Acts chapter 12, turn in your Bibles there, will you? Just think on this phrase. Turn your worry into prayers. Worry into prayers. Someone else said, if, if, if you're gonna worry, there's no need to pray. And if you're gonna pray, then there's no need to worry. I know that's easier said than done, but that's really the position that we ought to hold towards worry. Instead of worrying, we ought to pray. And so as you, if there's any, any time that I'd say it was probably understandable that they were a little worried, the New Testament church, look in, in Acts chapter 12. It was about that time, this time, that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John. We've read about him all through all the gospels. James and John, James and John. But James was put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Here's the question. What was the church doing in the midst of this? Look at verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him earnestly praying to God. They turned their worry, their concern, and it was rightful. I mean, it, it was, I mean, there's concern here. Peter, you think about it, was one of the leaders, one of maybe the top leader of the church at this time. This is the guy that we're all following as he follows Christ. And, and so they're afraid that he's gonna have his head chopped off. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna pray. We're gonna replace our worry with prayer. What about you and I? Is this how we handle worry? Do we turn our worry into prayer? Are we persistent in our prayers? Do we pray without ceasing? Do we pray continually as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says? Let's read just real quick what, what ends up happening because I want to make a point here. Look at verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two. I just, first off, isn't that a miracle? <laughs> He's sleeping. My wife would say, that's kind of like you though, Scott. I, can, I, have, the, I have the gift, spiritual gift of sleeping. Um, but Peter was sleeping. He was at rest. He was at peace. Bound with two chains, sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing was, was really happening because he thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guards came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. 
And when they'd walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. The Puritan writer, I think this will be on the screen as well as in your notes, his name's Thomas Watson. He said that the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Ooh. Some of you didn't get it, I'm gonna say it again. The, the, angel, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but it was prayer that fetched the angel. Oh, it may have been the Lord dispatching an angel that night when you were young, that night when you were in the situation, that night when the car flipped over. It may have been the Lord that sent that angel, but I can tell you this, it was a praying mom, it was a praying dad, it was a praying grandma, grandfather, it was a praying husband, it was a praying wife, it was a praying church that sent that angel, that got that angel moving because they asked the Lord. You know, even as I was, I was just I, uh, thinking about this, just the power of prayer. I think, I think our prayers are powerful and they continue on and on and on and on. I, I haven't seen my parents here on earth for eons now at this point. It seems like I was 15 when they went to be with Jesus, but there is no doubt in my mind that the prayers they prayed over us kids are still, they're still impacting. God is still moving through those prayers. Can I encourage you, moms, dads, especially today, don't ever stop, whether your kids are in your home or whether they're long gone out of your home, don't ever stop praying for your kids. Don't ever stop praying and believing for God to, to, to work and move in your kids' lives. Let's be persistent. You know, in Acts chapter 16, we're introduced to this, uh, uh, this uh, a city called Philippi. And it was an important city. And the only reason I bring it up is because um, about, uh, I don't know, 13, 14 years after Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul is writing back to that church at Philippi. What did he say? Read this. I think it'll be on screen. Philippians chapter 4. As it has to do with prayer, church, this is what I want you to know, the Apostle uh, Paul saying, don't be anxious about any, every, anything, but in prayer, everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Take your worry, take your fret, give it to God, persistently bring it to God. Don't be anxious about anything. Turn your worry into prayers, everything and anything. Listen, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And let me encourage you, bring it all, bring it all. Just bring it to God. Lay it out there. You say, what if this isn't the will of God? Well, keep praying it and trust the Holy Spirit will change your heart if it's not his will. But you bring that to God. You make your request known. And then what does the word of God say will happen? Look at verse seven. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You're praying through. You say, Scott, I'm really struggling with anxiety over this. Uh, I, I've said this before, but let me just say it again. Uh, I thought it was so interesting uh, years ago when I, I was on school board and the superintendent would say, you know the biggest issue we have with kids? And I'm thinking, oh, they're smoking marijuana in the bathroom. <laughs> oh, they're out having you know, uh, relationships with one another that involve immorality. I, I'm just thinking all these things. And she says, the biggest thing is anxiety. They're just so anxious. They're so anxious. And uh, you know what rose up inside of me? Philippians chapter four. I couldn't blab, blab it out right there in the middle of school board meeting, but I was thinking, I think God's got a solution for that one. How about we try this? How about we give this a try? Let's teach every one of those kids. And parents, can I encourage you? 
I understand your kids are anxious. I understand there's anxiety. But can I, can I encourage you? It's point them back to the word of God and remind them that this peace of God is not just, and you might have peace. No, and the peace of God, which is yours, it will be given to you. Let's teach our kids to rest in the Lord, to bring our concerns, bring our, 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 our issues, our petitions, and leave them at his feet. Yeah, the next time worry, anxiety starts to rise up, what are we going to do? We're going to bring it back to the Lord. We're going to pray persistently. We're going to keep going. There'll be times in your life where the burden of your job, the burden of your marriage, your kids, it's going to be so heavy that the only way you're going to get through it is if you commit to praying through continually. The only way you'll be able to live at peace and not be full of anxiety is to pray continually. Are you getting anything out of this today? Are you seeing the power of persistent prayer? Praying and keep praying. Rest in the answer from God. Turn your worry into prayer. Let me hit the third one and we'll be done. When you have persistent prayer in your life, you open your life to the unexpected. The potential is limitless with God. All things are possible with God. In Acts chapter two, you know, those 120 had already already been given the great commission to go but Jesus said but don't go just yet because I want to pour out my Holy Spirit on you who will empower you to do things that you never imagined could be done through you in fact just look at Acts chapter 9 look at this in Acts chapter 9 Peter went with them and when he arrived he was taken upstairs to the room and all the widows stood around him crying, showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Dorcas, Tabitha had died. Let's keep going. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and, the, and presented her to them alive. Do you think there was any thought at all in Peter's mind uh, a few years earlier that he would, I don't know, see dead people come back to life? Does anyone remember the previous occupation of said Simon Peter? How about a song? They caught so many fish that the nets couldn't hold them. That's all as far as I'll go. He was a fisherman. Nothing against fishermen. But when we are introduced to Simon Peter, was he? he's on the boat. And the carpenter, Jesus, is saying, hey, throw your nets on the other side. You'll catch a whole mess of fish. <laughs> Do you remember how he said, he's like, the carpenter's telling me. I could just imagine. I'm going to watch the Blu-ray someday. And I could just imagine. When we get to heaven, I'm going to watch the Blu-ray. Maybe it'll be like 8K by then. I don't know. And I'm just, I'm going, to, I'm going to watch that and see how it all went down. And try to zoom in and hear exactly what Simon Peter said. The carpenter's telling the fishermen how to fish. Oh, this is great. Okay, listen, Jesus. Because it's you and, and I want to honor you, we'll do it. But it's not going to work. And so he does it. And, then if it's, and that's the whole introduction we have. This is a fisherman. This is a guy who catches fish. You fill him with the Holy Spirit. You fill him with the Holy Spirit. And see what begins to happen through his life. Could God do the same for you? I'm just, it's not can. He will. And he has. And many of you. That's... Let's pray and let's trust God. But this is what I want you to get. For some of you, let me just, 
Are you bored with your life? Do you think Christianity is boring? When, when, you, when you jump over to Acts chapter 10, it was noon, as was his, his custom. And, and this is what, let, let me just read this. Um, so, so Cornelius just had this vision thing. And then in verse 9 of chapter 10, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. Why was he going up on the roof? This was just, this is what they did. They prayed always. I mean, most of these guys continued with the Jewish tradition of praying even three times a day. It's just, it's just, it's, this wasn't a specially called prayer meeting. This wasn't like, everyone meet me on the roof at about noon. No, this was Peter just doing what he did. He was praying persistently, consistently. He was just praying. And out of that prayer, do you know what happened? A vision came that set the world up to be saved, especially those of us who are Gentiles, who aren't Jews. So out of that prayer, what would have happened? If this would have never, I mean, on top of that, we get to eat pork chops. Hello. I mean, pork chops are good, but you're like, what are you talking about? Just read it and and you'll understand why I'm saying this. But beyond that, the whole Gentile world can now be saved. And and Peter's like, whoa, really? Okay. I mean, how awesome and amazing is this? You say, Scott, Christianity's my Christianity is just kind of boring. just kind of dry. Do you know, I've seen quite the opposite. In fact, the times when I find my spiritual life just kind of boring and dry and dead are times when I find that I'm not praying like maybe I should be. When I'm not really spending time with the creator of the universe, you want God to do something supernatural in you. You You want... let's get full of the Holy Spirit. Let's get spirit filled. Let's ask God, pour himself out on us and let's pray because as we study the book of Acts, you see prayer stirring and fanning that into flame. Have you bathed your life in prayer, your job, your future? You have dreams in your heart that have yet to come to fruition. Do you even pray about it anymore? God brought you here today to remind you he's not done with you and he can do all amazing things. But our role is this, is we petition God, we bring it to God. It's too bad the Lord didn't set up a system of persistent complaining instead of prayer. It would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? That the more we complain, the more he heard from heaven and he healed our land. Psalmist would say, I complained unto the Lord and he heard me out of his holy hill. It's not complaining, it's praying, trusting, persistent prayer. He's able to do all more than you ever uh, uh, expected or more than you even imagined. Start your adventure in prayer. I gotta conclude here. I'm gonna do something different today. Stay seated, don't go anywhere. (laughs) Don't stand up, but I'm gonna invite the keyboard player to come, Katrina, if you would. A Jesus-centered, spirit-filled church is a church that prays consistently and persistently. Let me share this thought. Scott, I'm not a very good prayer. Scott, I know I should pray. I know I should read the Bible. It's a hard discipline for me. I'm just not very good. I'm never gonna be good at it. Well, let, me, let, me let me just encourage you with something here. Brennan Manning says this. The only way to fail in prayer is to not show up. The only way to fail in prayer is to not show up. It's just to not pray. That's the only 
way to fail. And you've heard me say this before, take, take the, us among us that are seasoned, we'll understand, but take the phone off the hook and leave it off the hook. Just don't ever hang up on God. Like imagine, I'm not gonna hang up on God all day. Like all day, I think of, I'm worried about, I'm giving it to God. I need God to do something here. I'm giving it. I'm going into a meeting. I'm giving it to God. I'm, uh, I'm frustrated. I'm giving it to God. I'm full of thanksgiving and joy. Thank you, God, so much. I mean, I, I, just yesterday, I, I think I know I'm getting old when I find myself thanking God for the weather. I mean, I don't know. Is it? I'm just like, man, I think I might be turning into an old man. Um, I turn all of 48 tomorrow. I think that's right. Is that right? I think so. I'm forgetting. Um, but you know, I'm just, I'm just like, God, thank you so much. Man, the weather, God, just thank you that I can just stand out here and I don't have to sweat too much. And I'm just, this is, you, whatever it is, just leave the receiver off the hook. Take the phone. Don't ever hit the, the red button or whatever it is. Just always keep God on the line. We used to sing a song in youth camp and those things. It's called Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. I think it came out of Arkansas, the hills, Kentucky, something like that. I don't know, but Jesus on the main line. Tell him what you want. Tell him what you want. Call him up. Call him up. Tell him what you want. He's on the line. Are you talking to him? And not just talking to him, but are you persistently praying? I want you to begin thinking. I'm going to share one closing story, and then I'm done. But this is what I want you to think. In fact, on the bottom part of your notes, I want you to write two or three things down. And this is what I want you to write. I want you to write two or three things that you're gonna pray persistently about. Or that you're already praying persistently and you're saying, I'm gonna make a, a new commitment now that these are the two or three things I'm not just gonna pray about once, but I'm gonna pray about and I'm gonna keep bringing them back to the Lord. What are those two or three things? When we, before we started the church, there was a book that was really popular by Pastor Jim Simbola. He pastors the Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And it's really a book on prayer, but prayer in the local church. And I don't know why, but I picked it back up the past couple weeks. And I was reminded of a story about his daughter, Chrissy. Chrissy grew up in their church, and it's a dynamic church. I mean, someday I'd love to go there and visit. Um, but it's in Brooklyn, so you know, I'm just, I have to pray really hard about that one. But... Um, Chrissy got to her teenage years and she started rebelling. And Jim Simbola talks about for two years, Chrissy was living in rebellion against Christ, against mom and dad. She was 18 years old by now. And, and Jim Simbola reaches the point in the book where he says, listen, I know this may sound funny, but I felt like God said, give it to him Keep praying and trust that I'm working something in the midst of all this. And, and the idea that don't blab it around to everybody else, but just keep praying, keep believing, God's gonna move. You've planted the seeds, you put the seeds in her heart, she knows truth, she's walked away. Just trust me, just, just trust me, just pray to me, talk to me about it. Don't, don't talk to everyone else about it, just talk to me. For two years, you know, as a dad who has three daughters, I, can, I mean, I can't imagine the heartbreak, you know, because not only was she walking away from God, but she was walking away from mom and dad in the midst of all this. And it was one night at a Tuesday night prayer meeting that someone slipped him a, a little note and said, I really feel like we need to pray for your daughter right now. 
And you can tell in the book as he's writing it, he was a little hesitant. It's like God told me just between him and me, I'm not supposed to share. But he said, okay, I'm going to trust this is the Holy Spirit. He says, and he, you know, humbly before the whole church said, listen, church, I want you to know my daughter, Chrissy, most of you don't know this, but she's been living in rebellion for two years. She's far from God. We don't even know where she's at. But there's a note that said, we need to pray. And I would like to invite you to pray. And as those prayer meetings go on those Tuesday nights, he describes them. It's, it's, it's almost like people just started travailing, just started going out. He said, there was something that was happening as the whole church, there's thousands of people that attend this church, but I don't know how many were there in that prayer night, but they're praying, they're interceding. And he doesn't say that he, he no one had like a prophetic word, it's, it is finished, it's done, anything like that. But he went home that night, his wife, Carol, was not able to be there. She had struggled, as he, he mentions in the book, she had struggled with, with some depression over the whole thing and just, you know, the devil's telling her, I got your, your one daughter and I'm gonna get every one of your other kids. And she's screaming at her husband, saying, we gotta get out of Brooklyn. We gotta go to the suburbs, we gotta go somewhere. I will not give up my kids for the sake of this church. I will not do it. And there's strife, there's, and, and Jim felt like, no, we need to stick it out. We need to pray through. And so there's strife, there's, frust and I understand why she felt that way completely. She's depressed. That night he goes home and says, I just want you to know we prayed for Chrissy tonight. Oh, really? Yeah, we prayed for Chrissy. Someone brought a note. We interceded and prayed. Next morning he got up. This is how he explains it. The next morning he woke up. He's got shaving cream on, getting ready to shave. His wife comes running upstairs, says, Chrissy's in the kitchen. She wants to talk to you. He says he wipes the shaving cream off and goes down in the kitchen. And his daughter's there and just starts grabbing his leg. Saying, Daddy, I'm sorry. I sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. Please forgive me. I mean, this was like everything they'd been praying for for two years. Interceding, praying. Daddy, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And then she says this, who is praying? I got to know who was praying last night. Why? Last night, God gave me the vision of this black, like abyss. And I was falling into it. But Jesus was holding me. He said, if you keep going the direction you're going, you're going to fall into this darkness. And she said, it shook me. That's why I'm here today. At that moment, Chrissy got her life right with Jesus. And for the past, I don't know, 25, 30 years, her and her husband have pastored Chicago Tabernacle just a couple hours from us. How did that happen? It's because a mom and dad said, not on my watch. I don't care if it takes me 10 years. I don't care if it takes me 50. I don't care what it takes, but I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna intercede. What if a whole church said, community, not on my watch. Not on my, America, not on my watch. We're gonna pray and we're gonna keep believing and we're gonna ask God to revive us, renew us. And we're not just gonna stand around. We're gonna pray and we're gonna keep praying. Church, what is it? I just felt like this is the way we should end the service. Two or three things in your notes today. If you didn't take note, grab an envelope, something that you can stick in your Bible, put it in your pocket, put it somewhere where you'll see it. And every single day, Let's just say for the next month or two or three or forever until we see something happens. What are you going to pray for? Pray and keep praying, not give up. Right now, would you write those things down? As you write those down, I want to pray.
So Heavenly Father, I pray all across this room. God, I know there are parents in this room that are praying for their Chrissy. There are parents in this room that so long to see their kid who was raised up in church understands the gospel, but they made a choice to walk away. And I just pray that faith would rise up inside of the hearts of those moms, those dads, and they'd begin to intercede and pray like they never prayed. There would be a fruit of the spirit of faithfulness that would rise up inside of them. There are people in this room struggling in marriage. There are people in this room struggling with their health. And they're praying and they're praying and sometimes they just gave up. But God, that's why the rest of the church is here. Is we're gonna come alongside them and we're gonna pray until something happens. We're gonna push and we're gonna believe you, God. We're gonna be persistent in our prayers. We don't wanna stop at day nine and a half when it was 10 days later when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter two. We don't wanna say, ah, you know, I don't feel like praying today. I know I usually go up to the rooftop at noon and I pray, but I don't, I don't want to because who knows what would have happened if Peter wouldn't have answered that call for prayer. God, I just pray today, would you put a steadfastness in our heart and a stirring of our faith to trust you and believe that you will move in these situations. God, that we would be persistent in prayer. Pray and keep praying, asking, resting in your answer, Lord, whatever that answer may be. God, I just pray all across this room right now to solidify, solidify our faith today. And I, I pray even gifts of faith right now. The gift of faith would be given to this church to trust you and believe. And we thank you by faith for the answers to these two to three items that we're writing down right now. We thank you by faith that these altars at one point, they're gonna be full of lost people. God, we thank you that there's gonna be miracles and signs and wonders are gonna happen in this church. We thank you that the gospel is gonna go out in force through our lives, empowering, empowered by the Holy Spirit and people outside of this church are gonna see the love of Christ and they're gonna want what we want or what we have because they see the peace, they see the, the joy in our lives. And God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.